Leading a fashion business in today's ever-changing economic background takes a multitude of skills along with guts, instinct and energy. In the Industry.Fashion's In Conversation podcast, we talk to the people who are in possession of all of those qualities and more, including those who have set up their own businesses or those who have risen to the top of fashion businesses, large and small. We delve into the background of these leaders' careers, find out what drove them to success, what continues to motivate them, and what their ambitions are for the future. We also get their take on how they see the industry developing, along with their advice for those wishing to follow in their footsteps. Olivia Francis left her job with global advertising agency, Saatchi & Saatchi, to change the men's underwear market, with her Hamilton & Hare brand in 2014. She had been looking to buy boxer shorts for her brother, but just found a lot of poor quality and heavy branding. She wanted to bring women's wear underwear standards to men, and that's exactly what she did. That quality has now evolved into loungewear, sleepwear, t-shirts, shirts, sweatshirts, and even suiting, all sold out of her Marlebone shop on Chilton Street, as well as the Hamilton and Hare website. Frances tells Tom Bottomley, contributing editor at the industry.fashion, all about her journey so far and her plans going forward. Hi, Olivia. Thanks for joining us on our podcast today. Thank you for having me. I'm very pleased to be here. An interesting story you have. And so firstly, I wanted to ask you, what was your role at Saatchi and Saatchi prior to launching Hamilton and Hare? And how did you go from advertising exec to premium men's underwear maker? Uh, well, I was actually at MNC Saatchi, and it was um, so. No, unless you're outside inside the industry, you don't know the difference. But we were at, on pain of death, you know, to say that we were at MNC, which was Maurice and Charles Saatchi. Um, so I was recruited on their graduate scheme. There it was my first first job actually um, from university, uh, and it was so I did a bit of everything at the beginning. I learned how the whole industry worked. Um, you know, we we did you know all through production, we did strategy, we did client relations, pitching, new business. So it was a really great overview and, and all the different channels. And it was changing a lot at the time as well. You know, mobile had was just starting and uh, viral stuff and, and you know, Instagram. So yeah, it was it was a really good time to be in advertising. It was a lot of change. Um, so I was, yeah, I was an account director um, by the time I left there. So I was, I guess, kind of like the linchpin between um, creative production strategy and clients. So you kind of sit in the heart of, of each account and you get given a kind of business problem. And then the idea is to, to come up with a creative marketing solution. So, yeah, a bit of everything, really. So it sounds like it's such a great job. So why did you suddenly decide to leave that behind and, and go into premium men's underwear? Yeah, it was a great job and I loved it. And it was a, it was a difficult decision. Um, I I think I had a niggling thing that I wanted to have autonomy and do my own thing um it was a big corporate company and that you know that comes with a certain way of working and I think I wanted to try and do something a bit different and and have some more autonomy so that was one of the things and I loved brands I've always loved brands and the idea of building a brand was really fascinating to me but then I really just stumbled across this idea this opportunity really that I could see which was that men's underwear was really bad um you know, it was, it's badly made. It was, you know, stack them high, sell them cheap. The branding did all the work and the product really wasn't, wasn't very good. And that was really interesting to me at the time because women's underwear and women's lingerie was booming. There were loads of beautiful brands, great product. Um, there were whole stores dedicated to it. And it was this aspirational, lovely thing that actually 
you considered part of your wardrobe, not not separate. And men's menswear was growing at the time. It was growing really fast and men's grooming was just starting. And it just seemed to me that there was a really big opportunity for someone to to do underwear better and, and make it better. And that was both from a sort of um, ethical point of view, using sort of sustainable natural fabrics for a start, but also just to, to really think about it and give it the attention that I thought it deserved. So it kind of just niggled at me and I, you know, I said, oh no, I can't do that. I have no background. I have a good job here. And eventually it just got the better of me and I thought I've got to give it a go. So that's kind of how it happened. Sure. So I mean, a big risk to take. It was, it was, yeah. I mean, I, I, um, you know, I did it slowly. I, I did, I remember handing in my notice, which was terrifying. Um, but actually I got investment at, at one of, when, as I was leaving and I handed in my notice, one of the, uh, the founding partners of MNC Sarch, he said, what are you going to do? And I told him and he said, that sounds great. Do you want, do you need some money? And so he became my first investor. So that was a really nice kind of, you know, that was a nice, uh, I guess, sort of goodbye kind of stop, you know, it was a, a, vote of approval so that was a good start for the business for sure absolutely so where does the brand name come from um so hamilton is a family name so like a kind of middle name for me um comes from my dad's side of the family and then hair became uh came from the fact when i so my first product was was a boxer short it was i said look this is a really unloved overlooked element of a man's wardrobe nobody's really thought about the design since the 1920s it's kind of stayed the same let's let's make a better box short that works with slimmer trousers and just is a better better garment you know the original boxer short was um what you know it was what boxers wore in the ring so this sort of element of boxing came into the it came into the brand and hairs became you know hairs that box so the boxing hair became originally it was it was more of a kind of icon in the brand but we've kind of moved away from that but yeah that's the name so when and how did you actually launch the brand? And was it just direct from to consumer from a website or? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I was, you know, I guess it was a, a good time for me in that, you know, you could just launch a website, which wasn't the case before. So that's what we did. We, you know, did a sort of off the shelf basic website, you know, on, uh, I think we were Shopify, our first platform, which is now a sort of, you know, mega brand. And, um, and then I did, you know, I just got the word out. So I, I mean, I literally did sort of turn up to people's houses with a boot full of boxer shorts and convince people, did they want to try a pair? So yeah, it was, it was like a traveling salesman sort of operation from my kitchen table. Um, but I guess the good thing about underwear, and I think the way that men shop as well is it's quite hard to convince them to change, but it's a habit and it's then becomes a habit of a lifetime. So, you know, customers that I, convinced to try a pair back then are still customers today and that's really how the business has grown and what was your kind of initial usp and and target customer would you say so i really just set out to make the best boxer short that was the first thing i did is set out to make the best boxer short that i could um that was relevant for the modern wardrobe um and that was made from really nice quality fabrics and felt really great when you put it on when you walked around in it so I got a Savile Row tailor involved actually originally um and you know I said that I convinced him of my vision and said look I know it sounds weird but I want to take all your tailoring expertise that you apply to outerwear and suiting and and put that into this very overlooked you know garment that is quite fundamental in my view and I think that's that's really what our USP is now, is that we do take these overlooked, unloved elements of a wardrobe. Um, you know, we've now branched into sort of wardrobe staples and just give them lots of love, lots of thought, lots of attention, lots of craft. 
So did you think you, you'd spotted a gap in the market? Yeah, I, I think I saw it as this huge glaring gap, which maybe lots of other people didn't. I mean, it is it was niche, but for me, that was kind of, you know, I thought niche was good. Um, yeah, it, I thought it was, you know, it was enough an opportunity to convince me to give up what was a, a very good job. So that's exactly what I saw, I think. And why would you say your box of briefs are better than, say, Calvin Klein's or Ralph Lauren's or any of the others? Um, well, a lot of those brands, though, um, are franchised, so the the actual production isn't in house, um, which you know means that it's slightly removed from the quality that you might expect from a brand name like that. Um, for us, though, it's really we, you know we set out to do quality, not quantity, which I think in underwear is is a big difference. Um, one of the main things was quality of materials, so fabrics was really where we started. And still today, about 90% of the underwear um, production is is made from synthetic fibres. So it's made from, you know, polyesters and acrylics, and those are all derived from plastic. And a lot of people, I feel like they still don't really get that and what that means. Um, because, you know, you don't think about it. But so so for us, it was starting with natural fibres. So we looked, we, we use a a fabric called Lyocell or Tencel, which is made from eucalyptus wood pulp and it's natural. It's very sustainable. It has no waste pro- processes, even in the dyeing and extraction. It feels amazing on the skin. It's kind of like a sustainable silk. So yeah, that, that for example is one of our products, but we also, we do a cotton cashmere box sort. We do a sea island boxer short. Um, we use Corozo nut buttons our, our, and our boxer short construction is, is really complex. Um, and yes where did you make we make everything in portugal so um our production manager actually lives there now which is amazing so for me transparency of of sort of full supply chain um is really important so that you can really stand by the quality and we were lucky she she's um she lived in the uk but started the job and said actually i really want to go and live in portugal and made sense to me that you could really then be hands-on with all the factories so yeah we make we have about four or five factories our main factories and they're all in an area just outside of porto um which right, is i bet you didn't foresee that when you uh, when you launched was it 2014 you say uh yeah so i think uh, so i left my job i think in 2012 and sort of started up you know started the brand and i did some consulting along the way and started researching but yeah sort of official launch 2014 how would you say it's it's grown since then um exponentially <laughs> uh i now you know have a, a proper team um we're still a small team but you know there's there's lots of people who believe in what i believed in right from the beginning which i always think is quite weird um we have a store in marlebone on chilton street um we are actually looking for a, for a second site which is quite exciting and you know we in have london a, um yeah yeah so um We'll see see where we get to on that, but retail, I think, is you know is coming back, and uh, uh, and then we have our online business. Um, so yeah, it's been a it's been a really, and, and I guess for us the, the the beauty of the product, as I said, is that it's you know we haven't done masses of marketing, we haven't had the budgets that some of these huge players have had, and um, it's all really been organic, word of mouth, people recommending, and um, and coming back. So that's really how we've grown the business today. We'll be back for more In Conversation after this short ad break. Department stores are more than simply shops selling a multitude of goods in separate departments. They are an intrinsic part of our social and cultural fabric. 
The industry.fashion has teamed up with Klarna for business to provide an in-depth insight into the past and future of this most resilient of retail formats. In our latest in-depth report, the department store reimagined, we celebrate the history of this long-standing retail format, explore how leading department stores are adapting and innovating to create compelling omni-channel formats, investigate how other retailers are adopting department store characteristics, proving the continued appeal of a multi-brand curated offer. Plus, read our timeline, taking you through the key landmarks in the history of department stores from the late 18th century to today. Download your free copy at theindustry.fashion. So the Chiltern Street store, you're obviously in good company there with the likes of uh, Timothy Everest, Grey Flannel, John Simons, Sunspell, Trunk. Why did you, uh, I can see why you chose that location, but why? Yeah, exactly. I bet, uh, I mean, was it like that when you did, when was it you opened? Uh, no, so we, we opened in, I think, 2017. Um, I think it was 2017, 2016. And we, no, it wasn't quite like that, but there were there were the key players. And that was my hunch, was that it was a great place for menswear. Um, you had a really interesting, discerning customer who liked clothes and wanted that sort of unique experience of a smaller brand that was doing something a bit different. So, yeah, we um, actually, our end of the street was sort of, it was for a while dominated by, um, it was sort of for, for um, taller women. So there was lots of sort of, larger shoe size shoe shops and tall women clothing brands for that but uh so they were sort of moving out as we moved in um but yeah it's a great hub for menswear children's street and it's you know it's it's a great i love it it's a, it's a really wonderful sort of spiritual home for the brand as well and how did the business cope during the whole uh, covid pandemic uh we well i mean i guess we had we sell, sold loungewear so that was the silver lining for sure in that um, you know, loungewear wasn't really a thing before lockdown. And we had been sort of banging that drum for a long time of saying, actually, you know, what you wear inside your home at the bookend of every day that you put on on a Sunday morning is actually as important as the stuff that you go to work in. So from that side of things, it got, you know, it got loungewear out there and we saw a massive uplift in organic traffic of people just looking for loungewear from, from that side of things. Uh, we, we had to close our store and, you know, that was, that was tough. Um, but we did still have the online business, so so that really um and you know we had a we had a international customer at that point as well, so we did quite well from that. What about your wholesale business? Is that something that you've put a lot of effort into? Um, to be honest, no, we we haven't focused on wholesale. We um again with the timing of the pandemic and everything, we um we, you know we had we have some key accounts and they've been great and they continue to grow and Mr. Porter being one of them. Um, but actually now we, yeah, we are deciding now that this would be a good time to, to really look at wholesale. So it's a, it's a funny, um, it's a funny business wholesale. It's quite unpredictable. And we thought actually would be, you know, someone said to me once that wholesale follows retail, you know, so actually if you can get your own sales channels working and sell your own products, that's, that's a really good base to build wholesale and not the other way around. Um, so we've kind of followed that mantra. Yeah. Do you spend much time in, in the uh, shop yourself? I do, yeah. Um, our studio is actually below the store, so that's where the team are based. Um, and it's a bit of a squash sometimes. On some days, we kind of stagger our attendance. Um, but it's great. I love the fact that we are there. We learn so much from the customers. We meet great people. Um, and it's, yeah, it's it's a great. So we, so we work there. So there's someone in the office there every day. 
I'm guessing that uh, it's the underwear that is your best seller. Is it? Uh, yes, it is. It is. Um, it's what we're known for. It's kind of where the brand started. But as I said, we've we've really pivoted now to to kind of um, a full range of wardrobe staples. So that's everything through from socks to vests to t-shirts to sweats, and right the way through to kind of suiting. Um, which is all focused around kind of being really functional and comfortable for this kind of hybrid working travel, that kind of side of things. So, yeah, we really would like to, you know, we see ourselves as offering uh, exceptional essentials, things that you really need in your wardrobe that are timeless and that you'll wear again and again. So, yeah, so how well, soon after the underwear did the did you go into loungewear and, and did you then sort of introduce one category after another slowly? Or Yeah, I mean, I think we're not a traditional fashion brand in that sense. You know, we didn't, I I never designed, I I don't come from a fashion background and I never designed anything as a sort of fully, you know, seasonal trend collection. We, we, I would call us like we're, we're a product company, you know, we did product by product have developed the range and a lot of it's come from, you know, we made something and then our customers asked us for something else. And then we said, Oh, maybe we could do that. And, and it's really developed organically from that sense. Um, and just follow it following where we felt like the business and that the customer wanted us to go so it's been yeah it's been an unusual journey potentially from that point of view but it's really good you know we haven't we've just launched a product when it's ready it took us two years to develop our latest seamless trunk um you know and it's it's something that i i'm I'm hope it's now our number two bestseller and i think we'll have it in our range for years to come so yeah we're we're not really about sort of seasonal trend-led um collections Having said that, there has been a bit of a trend back towards suiting, hasn't there? And you've gone from underwear to loungewear right the way through to suiting. So you kind of are a bit on trend there. But how did that come about? (laughs) Yeah, well, actually, our suiting came about from we had a lot of customers who were doing long haul travel. And this is before lockdown. Um, for business or for whatever really and a lot of them were saying god I love your 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 loungewear and your sweats and your t-shirts but I need to wear something you know I'm going on a business travel I need to look vaguely presentable when I get there or in the lounge or wherever it is um, through the airport so can you I just want a suit I can sleep in and that really well that became the design brief for us of like right let's take how do we do that let's take the tailoring aesthetic but deliver it in really comfortable, soft structure fabrics. It's washable. You can sit on it and crease it. You can actually tie a knot in one of our suits. Our store manager does it all the time as a sort of party piece. And it will, you know, it looks great. Um, and I think that is just, it's just a product that people really want. You know, it's just it's suiting, I think. Tailoring, guys look great in tailoring. It serves a great purpose. And I don't think it's ever, it ever was going to disappear. But I think about it's just about making it more, more functional, more functional, more comfortable and, and, you know, just better suited to what our lives are like now. And this idea of sort of, I need to jump on a bike and get to a meeting, you know. Yeah. So do you sell it as a suit or do you sell it as separate? So our suiting is inspired by people walking down Chilton Street. So we've got the Chilton jacket and the Chilton trouser. And it's all manner of people walking down. They're doing all sorts of things, you know, going to firehouse for breakfast, going to a business meeting, having a coffee, riding a bike, sitting in the sunshine. So, and the idea is that it's just, it's a really, really versatile. It is a suit, but it can be worn as separates or as a suit. Um, it's a classic silhouette. It's got some lovely functional details. As I said, you can screw it up and chuck it in your bag, you can put it in the washing machine. And we do it in several styles, several colours. We have 
bringing out this summer we'll have summer weights we'll have winter weights in winter and it's just this idea of making it really really easy and what sort of price um so in our premium fabrics um so our most premium fabric we work with raider um lovely italian mill and it's a, a wool lyocell blend which is incredible it's like a hop sack that's 420 pounds for the blazer and then our sort of a, a more entry level is just in a pure cotton kind of micro waffle is 375 i think so yeah, so it's, it's um, I think you can get a suit for kind of £600. We'll be back for more In Conversation after this short ad break. I'm Tom Shearsmith, news editor at TheIndustry.Fashion, and I'm here to remind you that every day we dedicate ourselves to producing daily news, features and insights to keep our readers up to date and ahead of the curve of events changing the UK fashion market such as breaking stories, interviews, and analysis. Remember to check in every day to stay up to date. All of our content is free to view, and why not sign up for our free daily update newsletter? Are you looking at launching any other any other new products coming up? Um, we are, yes, lots of things, really. We're broadening out, so this, broadening out our range for wardrobe staples. And when I say lots of things, really, it's about solidifying the categories that we've already got um and just making improvements and, and expanding those out so yeah we, we we're not planning to be a ready-to-wear brand we're planning to be a, this wardrobe staples you know that's the idea and it's um but there's lots of opportunity there so got some really nice summer suiting coming out um a swimming trunk is coming from us uh okay so you, have you not done swimming costume no, so that'll be yeah that'll be new this summer uh, and and collaborations. So we've done some good collaborations. Uh, last last year we did a collaboration with Private White VC. Um, don't know if you know those guys, British outerwear. Brand. I do indeed. So that was great. Yeah, up in Manchester, and we did a really successful collaboration with them. Um, so off the back of that, yeah, we're we're looking at more collaborations for for this year. And what was the uh, collaboration with Private White? We did a um, we did a loungewear collaboration actually. It was for winter time. Just it launched just before Christmas in November. Um, so we did um, it was a, so we did cotton cashmere boxer shorts and a beautiful robe which was made in their factory in Manchester. And then we did some of our Lyocell lounge sets um, and some of our underwear too. And we kind of we had a, a signature color that was inspired by the bricks in their factory and the bricks on Chiltern Street. And um, we shot it all up in Manchester. So yeah, it was a nice nice collaboration. So there will be more. There will be more. Yep, there will be more. And how big is your uh, overseas business and where is your business strongest outside of the UK? So for us, I think being born online is, you know, from the beginning has meant that we've, we've from day one have been international in that sense. I mean, I was doing a count up actually. I think this year we sold to 49 countries. Um of which probably the U- the US is our, is the biggest by far for us. Um, so we have a very a good good customer base there. A lot of whom travel to London have discovered us in the UK and then sort of gone back out. Most of them are based in LA or, or New York. Um, few a few else um, in other areas. But yeah, so that's that's a really good customer for us. So might it be on the cards that you open a store in the states? Yeah, I would love to. I would love to. Um, we've we've had so many customers asking us, actually. Um, more than anything, I've never been to LA, so I would like to go. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so I, I think there's a natural affinity for our product there and for the brand. And have you looked at uh, maybe launching women's wear at all? 
Um, I think women's wear is interesting for me. I, I mean, for a start, I think that fashion is blurring and, you know, we, we get a lot of female customers already just buying our stuff. I mean, I wear loads of art. I mean, obviously I'm biased, but I wear a lot of it. And I think actually, you know, men's wear for me is, is better in terms of quality naturally because it's not so trend led. The cycles are shorter. The fashion is less extreme. So you, you have the time and space to craft these kind of more timeless pieces. So for me, I think um, quality in menswear is already, um, I think, I think better than women's on on the whole. Okay, and what would you say? What would you consider your finest achievement to be with Hamilton and Hare so far? Well, that's a big question. Um, you know, it's funny. You just, you, I was talking to another um, business owner only last week actually we were saying you know, you never stop to look back really and it's such a bad discipline to sort of take stock of what you've actually achieved because the problem is once you've achieved it you've already got the next target on your site so we were talking about how we should appreciate these things more I mean I think I'm I'm really proud that we're still here you know <laughs> given what's gone gone on in the last few years um, and given what I set out to do you know I, I think it was a you know it's a, it was a niche uh, curveball thing particularly being a woman um i'm very proud of the, the customer base that we have um we have some amazing customers um and i'm very proud of them well i guess something that did happen to me the other day actually someone sent uh a, one of our first customers who bought a pair of those boxer shorts probably out of the back of my car so that was what 10 years ago he sent me a picture of admittedly quite a thread pair threadbare pair but they were 10 years old my first box short and he was like I'm I'm literally want to have a sort of funeral for these I have loved them I have worn them so much and I just wanted you to know so that that was really nice and I do I love it when I see people wearing our stuff you know that I get and when they say it's been a sort of favorite item in their wardrobe and you know we have people who've worn our loungewear when they've you know recovered from operations and been in hospital and you know, there's just just lovely things like that. It really, for me, when clothing becomes part of someone's life, I, I get a real kick out of that. Yeah. And where do you see the brand in five years' time? Well, I would like to expand our international footprint for sure. So that's definitely something. Um, and, I, you know, I'd just like to do more of what we're doing, really, have more customers um, and expand, you know, expand into some other territories and, and, and build build on what we've got. So, yeah, I think that's what I would like to see. Great stuff. Thanks for joining us today, Olivia. It's been brilliant. Thank you for having me. If this fashion leader's story inspired you, why not head over to our website at theindustry.fashion or find us on your favourite podcast platform where you can hear from many more leading industry figures. Don't forget to subscribe so you can be sure that you never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, please do leave us a review or rating. If you would like to suggest names that you would like to hear on the podcast, feel free to drop us a line at press at theindustry.fashion and remember to visit www.theindustry.fashion for your daily fashion fix and to sign up for our free daily update newsletter.